everyone, this is Dave DeBow coming in with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from beautiful Scarborough, Ontario, we've got Andy Tran. If you're not familiar with Andy, he's a real estate entrepreneur in many senses of the word. He's not only a real estate investor himself, but he also teaches and trains other real estate investors. And he's really, really focused and he's got it dialed in on densification, specifically with turning a single family home into a duplex by adding a suite plus a few other cool things. And Andy is also not just a regular everyday real estate investor. He's also a registered house and small buildings designer. So he definitely knows his stuff. So Andy, welcome to the call. Thanks for having me, Dave. Yeah. So Andy, tell me, how did it, What? well, let's get into the big picture. What's the big benefit for a mom and pop real estate investor to start thinking about or start getting involved in densification? And what does that mean? What, is, what does that mean in layman's terms? Sure. So densification has been sort of a trend that's happening in uh, cities and towns throughout Canada. And it's not just an issue in Canada, throughout the world, US, other places as well. And basically, there's a perfect storm of issues that is resulting in you know, housing affordability issues, right? Obviously, the cost of real estate, you know, lots of immigration. And so you have a lot of, you know, regular middle income folks that are not able to afford to get into housing. And so we're finding that a lot of cities are encouraging homeowners, as well as investors, developers to densify existing low rise residential neighborhoods. So your typical R1 suburbs, you know, they're encouraging things like second suites, of course, garden units, laneway houses, and we're seeing that starting to really take hold in Ontario. Now, you mentioned earlier you're, you're in BC, and that has been something that has happened for a number of years, but we're seeing it across Canada, and we're seeing a lot of it in Ontario. Yeah, it makes sense. So you've got all these, you know, people that bought single-family homes in what used to be the suburbs and the big cities, which have kind of now become <laughs> almost part of downtown, and you've got the single-family home sitting there. But the price of those kind of houses, you know, just looking at Toronto, looking at Vancouver, we're getting into the millions of dollars. That's beyond the scope of most average income folks. And these are average income kind of houses. So what's one of the solutions? One of the solutions is add another, add another property, add another suite onto that, add another unit to that property to increase the density in that area. Makes sense. All right, Andy. So how did you get in this, involved in this whole thing? Were you a, what was the first, the chicken and the egg? Were you a, a builder first and then got into real estate investing? Or did you, were you getting into real estate investing and then get in and become a, a small building designer? Yeah. So regarding the, uh, how kind of everything came about was I kind of stumbled into that whole densification strategy. My background is in architecture and that's why I'm registered as a house designer I was actually in the home inspection industry for a number of years in the GTA. And over that period of time, I inspect a lot of houses and people would always ask me, you know, is this basement apartment something that I can legally rent out? And this was kind of like the late sort of 2008, 2009 time. And I didn't have a good answer for them. I would always say, you know, check with your realtor, check with your lawyer, call the city. But invariably, that was not a lot of good information for them. So I kind of dug in, did research myself. That was also around the time when I was really interested in investing in real estate myself. 
So I went through the process of, of researching it. The first one I did was in my own property in 2010. And through the, throughout that process, I learned so much from it. And I decided to kind of incorporate that as part of my service when I was doing home inspections. And then gradually, it just became something that people were more and more interested in. And sort of the around 2015, I kind of went out on my own and started my own consulting design company. And since then, we've worked with probably over 250 conversion projects in the greater Toronto area. Nice, nice. Now, before we jumped on camera, Andy, you're telling me that you work in a, in a variety of different markets in and around the GTA. For somebody who's kind of thinking about getting into densification or adding a, a secondary suite or things like that, certain municipalities are really friendly about them. Other ones aren't. How do you go about finding out if your area is friendly towards this or if not, where you can go to find a, a friendly one, especially for folks who aren't in the GTA? Right. That's a great question. And I think the first thing is just check out the information that's available on the city's website. You know, a lot of the cities that are encouraging densification, you'll see that they have documents and things like that regarding doing conversions. And a lot of them will have, you know, two or three page document that outlines the process. So for me, what I found out was that the cities that were very easy to work with, encouraging them and really working with investors and homeowners in a reasonable manner to get their units legalized. They were the ones where you can go to the website or when you give them a call, they will give you a good answer. And you're absolutely right. There are some cities where they are not really keen on this. And a lot of them are kind of complying with the provincial mandates begrudgingly, but it's not something that is really kind of a top priority for them. So I do encourage people to kind of look into the cities and find out which ones Obviously, look at your own properties first, right? Your own principal residence, if you have an existing portfolio, see what you can do there. And if not, I would say, yeah, look at a municipality where, where it is more friendly towards that type of project. So, Andy, talk to us a little bit about legal versus illegal suites, conforming versus non-conforming suites, whatever the language is. Uh, different places have different language for that. Pros and cons to, to each, I, I imagine, from your background and, and what you're teaching and, and training everybody, the focus is on legal or conforming suites. But there are a lot of people out there that have kind of non-conforming suites. What, what's your take on that? Sure. Yeah, I can try to clarify that. And, and it is confusing. The language is very confusing. So for it to be fully legal, there are really two components to it. There is the municipal bylaws. So things that you have to comply with for that particular city. So for example, you have to ensure that you are in a zone which allows them. So most cities in Ontario now do allow them and a lot of cities in BC as well, of course. And things like parking, you know, do you have adequate parking available? Do you have an adequate lot size? So you have to comply with all the municipal bylaws. And then you have to comply with the building codes. And the building codes are typically provincial or national based, right? So there are those two main components. Now, when people say I have a legal non-conforming unit, it may be that they had this unit existing, you know, prior to any sort of bylaws that were put in place to prevent them. So in Ontario, we have a cutoff date at around 1995. So if you had a, a unit existing prior to 1995 and you can prove it, then you would comply with the bylaws, but you would still have to bring it up to current building code standards, right? Maybe not everything. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that's really kind of 
where when it comes to legal and illegal. A lot of people will I see a lot of listings online and it will say it's a legal suite. And if the seller cannot provide any documentation or if the city doesn't recognize it as such, it's not legal even if let's say they did everything according to their interpretation of the building code, right? It has to go through the process of inspections, permits and that sort of stuff. So Really, the advantage of legality is to ensure that you don't potentially get shut down because of a neighbor complaint or a tenant complaint, something like that. And, and it's important for investors. Yeah, definitely. And um, what about insurance and whatnot? I mean, what's what's because you hear nightmare stories about people could be secondary suites, it could be boarding houses, you know, and then you have a fire and God knows what happens. Tell us just a little bit about what some of the risks are if you've got an illegal suite. Sure. Yeah. So I don't have a lot of information about boarding houses specifically, but for second suites, my understanding is that the most insurance companies will expect you to inform them that you do have a second suite. As it stands now, I believe that most are still sort of agnostic as to whether it's legal or illegal. Like they will say that's not a big concern. Now things may change and, and that could change in the future. And so I don't want you know anybody to assume that that's, that's okay to have an illegal unit. But my understanding speaking to brokers is that you have to let them know because there is additional risk because you have a second family potentially living there. So you're adding in additional risk. They have to increase their premium. Mm-hmm. So the concern there is that if you don't tell them you have a second unit and there's a flood or a fire in the second unit, you know they may not insure you, right? right. Yeah, that's a big danger. All right, Andy, so you've done a couple of hundred of these kind of projects over the years. You definitely know your stuff. Roughly, and I, I we won't hold you to this, but ballpark figure, if I bought a single family house in the kind of area that you're in, yeah, and it, were, it was set up that I could put in a secondary suite, typically to put in a, a, a legal or a conforming secondary suite, what are we approximately looking at for a, a cost for doing that property, give or take? Sure. Yeah, I'm always cautious about answering that, but people yeah. always ask, and so I prepared for it, right? So let's say you're a typical, you know, mid-century bungalow, you know, single story, 800 to 1,000 square feet, very common as a, a type of property that a lot of investors will buy and then put in the second unit. We're, you know, I guess prior to, the insane price run-ups with lumber and other building materials lately, mm-hmm. right? Notwithstanding that, you know, we were looking at probably around 90 to $110 per square foot, roughly, right? So we would feel pretty comfortable giving somebody a ballpark quote, roughly, like a lot of just, you know, just the initial discussion, assuming they had to gut it or had to do it from scratch, you know, a thousand square foot would probably be in the hundred thousand dollar range plus tax, that would be sort of a fair number approximately. But, you know, from what I'm hearing with, with material costs being up average 20% and lumber, you know, up 100%, you know, those numbers can change. And I haven't looked at those lately yet. All right, fair enough. Now, same idea, but let's say we've got somebody who's got a non-conforming suite and they want to bring it up to snuff. Have you worked on those kind of projects? Yeah, we have. We have worked on ones where they have been completed. Sometimes there is already a suite in there and sometimes it's just a finished basement. Mm -hmm. And so the difference between a suite and just a finished basement really is the kitchen. So if there's a a kitchen there, then it would consider to be a second unit. But if you just had a finished basement, you know, with a bathroom, you know, it may just be a recreational room, right? 
So to the extent of us doing a, a legal conversion, it really depends on kind of what the quality of work was. You know, a lot of times it was done really nicely uh, several years ago, and now they wanted to sort of legalize the unit. It was never done. And there's really two things is whether you have the proper fire separation and all the safety items that are there. So things like egress windows, smoke alarms, and the rules are very similar across the country with regards to those. There are slight variations based on province, but you know that's one thing. And then also just the uh, sort of the quality of the renovation, right? So if it's, you know, wood panel walls or drop ceiling tiles, in a lot of cases, it makes sense to gut it and redo it, you know, if there's, if there's faulty wiring. And then, sorry, there's a third thing also, really, it depends on the city. So some cities are a little bit more conservative, and they don't like to sort of, quote, unquote, legalize things where the work was done prior to a permit issuance, where some cities recognize that the vast majority of them are illegal. And if you become too heavy handed in terms of the approach, a lot of people aren't going to register. And so it may be even more unsafe, right? So it kind of depends on the city. But in my experience, I would say the majority of cities that I've worked with are fairly reasonable in kind of bringing up the, you know, legal non-conforming or just the non-conforming units up to the current standard. Very good. Andy, time flies when we're having fun. If people want to find out more about you and and what you're doing and, and how they can learn from you how to do their own densification, how to how to add a secondary suite to their their properties or get into this as a, a strategy? What should they do? Sure. They can just go to my website. I have a lot of free resources. I have a couple of guides that they can download for free. One is a quick checklist that outlines eight important items. Some of those things we discussed, the bylaw and the building code items. And then I also have a, a beginner's guide for uh, legal second suites. And, you know, legal second suites is really just the beginning. There are just so many opportunities with other types of densification, like garden units, detached units, laneway houses, infill development is something that we always advocate as well. So there's there's a lot of opportunities for people, you know, not just to profit in real estate, but to create better housing for our communities. Awesome. Very good. So where should they go? www.suiteeditions.com. So that's S-U-I-T-E editions.com. Perfect. Andy, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Dave. All right, everybody, take care, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book, right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.